Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Well, today is episode 52 of the Jimmy's Table podcast, which means it's my one-year anniversary, folks, that I've been doing this. It's been a fun little journey that I've been on, and I'm just thankful and uh, humbled to be able to do this. There's a lot of people uh, that have encouraged me to do this, and... uh, you know, slowly over the past year, I've been growing a little bit of an audience, and I've been really surprised at all who have been listening to this podcast. This podcast has been listened to by uh, people from Charlotte, North Carolina, to China, to Calgary, Canada, and uh, pretty much everywhere in between. Uh, so it's very humbling. And in light of such, I would like to do a special interview today that I actually recorded several weeks ago with Sam Bethay, who is Charlotte's most famous street preacher. He's the guy shouting, Jesus saves! on the corner of Trade and Tryon six days a week for the past six years. Loud, booming voice. Uh, And unlike many street preachers that you'll hear that have this sort of condemning attitude and mindset and who just, you know, yell nothing but turn or burn and repent or you're going to hell sort of stuff, uh, Sam has a very different approach to his his ministry and his street preaching. Uh, He's actually a very warm and loving individual, and I think uh, you'll you'll feel that warmth and your that love uh, in today's interview. Uh, My wife, upon seeing him in a picture in a video I was in with him, uh, said, "Wow, he's just a giant teddy bear," Uh, and you know I think that rings solid and through uh, out today's podcast. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. Um, and I'd just like to thank you all for listening at, to jimmystable.com and the podcast that I've been putting on for the past year. Um, if you'd like to, to reach me, jimmy at jimmystable.com, be sure to like this interview and share it with your friends. Uh, share it on social media. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to however you're listening to this, this podcast at jimmystable.com, whether it be on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or however else you consume your podcast. And I'd also like to give a shout out to my friend Bill Fair, who I interviewed previously on episode 44, uh, Cosmic Journey of a Bike Messenger, uh, who set up this interview and helped uh, put a lot of it together with me uh, today. So Bill, special thanks to you uh, for making this interview possible and uh, helping support me and encouraging me on my own journey uh, as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sam Bethay as he talks about his life his journey in faith, how he became a Christian after spending many years in and out of prison, and uh, what his life has been like since, and how Sam ultimately became a street preacher. I hope you enjoy. Take care. I have good news! Jesus saves! Jesus saves! He loves you guys! He loves you guys. Okay, Sam, so thanks for coming on today's podcast. Glad to have you. You are Charlotte's most famous street preacher, probably. You are the Jesus loves you street preacher, which I think is great because most street preachers don't come across as a very loving group. I think most of our encounters with street preachers over the years have been very negative. Uh, They've been very in your face, very bold, very like, you're going to hell and you need to repent. And, you know, I I believe in hell. I believe in repentance, but 
you know, the thing that struck me when Bill told me about you when I saw you on the news is like, this guy actually loves the people he's mm -hmm. preaching to. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you can tell us, what, first of all, what's your name? Okay. Uh, and uh, how long have you been street preaching? And um, uh, just start from there. All right. Well, my name is Sam Bethay. I was born in Washington, D.C. Um, lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, probably 34 years now. So wow. Charlotte's home. I've seen a trend, the transition has been breakneck speed, unbelievable. Um, but I've been um, I've been doing street preaching full time six years. Uh -huh. I left my job at Walmart in 2014, 2015, and um, finally answered the call of God to come out and specifically in the uptown area okay. and um, share the good news with the folks. Um, prior to that, I ran from God for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, when he told me to come and then um finally worked it up by prayer and god put it on my heart to leave my job wow. leave everything and i mean that's all i had at that moment wow. leave it all and come follow him and share the good news awesome. so um just a little bit about me um in a nutshell i didn't come from a christian home um i was 26 years old when i come to a saving knowledge of jesus christ wow. and um I was the type, I believed that there was a God and there was a devil. I believed that there was a heaven and a hell because it wasn't just fair here on earth. Things just, you know, it wasn't perfect. And it was, in my mind, there was something bigger and better or something worse. Um, and so I never denied that there was a God. I always believed that there was a God. And um, my parents never, one time, have they ever prayed with me about anything. Never did they say, sit down here. And let's pray about whatever. Never one time did they say, sit down here and let's talk about your soul and where it's going to go, heaven or hell. Um, it was an old 68-year-old white man <laughs> that led a 26-year-old young black boy to the Lord at a Walmart sna a snack shop wow. in March 1997 at a Walmart. And um, I, in a nutshell, um, I was getting off work and... I would work third shift at Walmart, unloading trucks. And after we unload the trucks, we put up the merchandise and whatnot. So I was working third shift, and I get off about 7 a.m. First shift was coming in. And um, while they were coming in, they were talking about uh, a current event at that day. Um, this man had been put to death in Florida's electric chair. And in the process of putting him to death, his head got caught on fire. And they were laughing. Oh, he got what he deserved. Uh, so I was like, well, somebody killed him. Now we got to kill whoever killed him. No, that's different. He got what he deserves. What if it was your mother, your, you know, your sister, you can give you these scenarios. I told him, well, I hope I can forgive the man and move on with life, you know. Um, but I, it was about two or three people in the initial conversation. And then it was about two more people as I was about to leave, getting off work, remind you. I was about to leave Walmart. I'm headed north to the exit. <clears throat> And to the east, in my peripheral vision, I see this man. I did not know him personally. I come to know him because he would come into Walmart every day. And he would speak to people. We would wave. He would smile. Good morning, darling. Good morning, son. So you he wasn't know? an employee there? He, he, he was a customer. Oh, okay. Uh, you remember Mr. Magoo? Yeah. He looked like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> That's what I tell people. He had a little bow tie. He was a proper man. Had a little uh, brim hat, high waters, you know. And um, he was, um, like I said, 68 years old. And I come to find out that he was a pastor 
by one of my coworkers who worked up at the snack shop. She told me that that, that was a pastor and she attended his church. And so um, that morning, as I was talking about that current event, I was about to exit. And like I said, in my peripheral vision, I see him sitting in a snack shop. So back then I would have said something led me over there, but now I know it was someone. It was the Holy Spirit of God. So I saw him over there and I said, let me go ask this man what he has to say about capital punishment. So I said, excuse me, sir. I just want to ask you a quick question. What do you have to say about capital punishment? What does God say about it? He invited me to have a seat. And like I said, to make a long story short, because this conversation was probably hour, 45 minutes to two hour conversation. So he's, uh, we sat down at the table and he explained to me the Old Testament uh, by one man's blood shed, another man's blood is required. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The law, that is. And then he explained to me the New Testament, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world. And so in that conversation, he, I, I tell people, he asked me a trillion dollar question. And that question was, he said, Sam, if you was to take your last breath and you stood before a holy God, and God asked you, Sam, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would you tell him? Never thought of it. And to me, that question was uh, you know, like, whoa. Right. And I said, sir, I'm just going to be real with you. I said, I've done a lot of dirt in my life. Because I was in and out of the county jail 29 times. Wow. I come from a broken home uh, from the age of 16 and a half to 26. And I'm not making that excuse of what I chose to do and run the streets. But um, didn't have a father figure, a hindsight. That that really, looking back at it, that was the void. That's what I needed, you know, the most. Um, but I was in and out of county jail, like I said, 29 times. So I knew I had done dirt in my life. I knew I wasn't perfect. So I told that pastor, I said, sir, I know I've done a lot of dirt in my life. I said, but I believe that there's a God. I said, I love God. And I said, I ask God to forgive me. And I said, I hope on that day, I said, I hope he allows me to come into his kingdom. Mm. And this old 68-year-old white man looked a 26-year-old young black boy in his eyes and told me, he says, by the words out of your mouth, he says, you're going to go straight to hell. Mm. I want to do this. I want to push away from the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sir, have a good day. Pretty bold conversation. Yeah. Happened with some guy yeah. you really know. Exactly. Right? He didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, you All know. Right. Keep working at it. All you're doing right. good. You're on the right road. Yeah, God loves you. It was just straight up, you know, real. And it was a fact and it was truth. And um, my mother raised us to respect our individual and respect our elders. So I didn't want to be rude and leave when he had told me that. So I said, you know, I'm going to listen to this man. But as soon as I hear him put a period in this conversation, I'm out the door. I'm gone. And um, as I'm listening to him, he said, I tell you that because by the words out of your own mouth, what you just shared with me, right. he says, you're trying to go to God the Father without coming through his son, Jesus Christ. And when he said that, I kid you not, it was like a light bulb went off. Because I told you I believed in God. I believed in devil. Right. And I believed in the stories of Jesus. Right. I've heard the miracles. I believed in all those miracles. I believed he was crucified. I believe he rose from the dead. I believed all that. Um, but as that man said, I did not have a personal relationship. I didn't have Jesus in my heart. And right there, March 1997, at a Walmart snack shop, Sam Bethay, that's me, Sam Bethay died, and Jesus Christ came alive. And um, he radically changed me. 
He radically, the Bible says to him much is forgiven, to him he's going to love much. You know, like Apostle Paul, Saul, prior to his conversion, he, he, Paul even said in himself, he was the chief sinner. I thought I was, you know, but uh, God changed me and I've always had a big mouth. I've always loved talking, uh, you know. I can tell. <laughs> so the worst thing, you know, um, when I was growing up, getting the report cards, um, it wasn't getting the Fs or the Ds or Cs, you know, bringing that home to my parents and stuff. The worst part of my report card was the comment section, and it would say excessive talking. <laughs> Sam talks too much. So it's been ingrained in me right. from a little man, you know, from a youngster. And so... um when Jesus saved me, I just couldn't stop talking about him. You know, I would talk to people, listen to people. Anybody who talked to me about Jesus at that time was a believer. And I thought, you know, we were part of the family of God. Yeah. I would just talk. And um, so just had a great zeal from God. And um, some brothers um, at my church and a couple of men that mentored me on the side said, Sam, you got a great zeal? Say, but Sam, you need some training. <laughs> so they recommended me to go to Bible college. Okay. Yeah, I thought I saw that you had gone possibly. Yes. Like, I wasn't sure though. So. Yeah. Awesome. So I got saved in March 1997, and I went to uh, Bible college in um, 99. Okay. Um, went to Bob Jones University. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina? Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. 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 And um, uh, ministerial training was my major. Okay. Yes, and so um, I was a town student. I was able to transfer my job, which was at Walmart at the time. Um, so I was a town student paying for my schooling. So it took me a while to get through the schooling and whatnot. So I was okay. there about five years. Okay. Um, but um, so uh, went to Bob Jones and um, just always wanted to do something for the glory of God. Right. Not knowing what it is. I thought it might be pastor. Right. Didn't know, you know. Um, but, um, eventually ended up, um, um, doing street preaching and my first ministries, my heart, um, back in those days, my former days, my first days of following the Lord was prison ministry nice. because I could relate to those guys. Sure. I could not just sympathize. I could empathize. Right. Been I've been there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I was in and out of jail. Like I said, 29 times, never did no time in prison, right. but I tell people it should have been jail prison, then go to hell. Right. But God saved me, you know. Yeah. And so um, I could relate to those guys going to jail because you have a lot of time on your hand. Sure. And when I was in and out of jail, I would have jailhouse religion, jailhouse sure. Christianity. Right. You know, I would go to the Bible studies. I would go to uh, the, um, they would have Jehovah Witnesses. They would have even I would go to the Muslims no. when they were studying the Quran because okay. I was searching at that right, time. Sure. I wasn't saved. So after I got saved, like I said, I, that was my my heart and my ministries. Right. Um, just going to, um, to the prisons and jails. Probably was doing it five times a week. And then I got to do it about two to three because I was going to school and working and whatnot. Right. And then I um, uh, was involved in a church plant while I was in school in Greenville, South Carolina. That school, is, excuse me, that school, that church is still in existence. What church? It's called Hope Baptist. Okay. And I'm really, that's one of the things I'm grateful for, um, that God put me in the uh, uh, co-labor with some men and women. Right. And we took an old club that was in the hood where people were, you know, getting killed there, wow. dealing drugs, and it was just the gate of hell. Wow. That's what it was there for. And we, tra we, we transformed it, tore it down, and 
renovated it and made it a by by the grace of God. It's a house of worship now. Oh, wow. It's a beautiful church awesome. in the hood. It's in Jesse Jackson Townhomes yeah. in Greenville. Nice. And so um was a part of that work, doing school, doing the um prison ministry. And then I eventually got married um to a a wonderful young lady at school. Okay. We were doing church planning together. Um, but unfortunately, that marriage um, ended in divorce. Oh. We were four years married. Never hit my wife. Never cheated on my wife. Yeah. Just some, you know, habits. And like my pastor said, every, every couple goes through what I was going through, you right. know, in my marriage. So irreconcilable differences. Like right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so did not want to come back to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Because mind you, Charlotte was home. Right. I was still doing, um, when I was in college, I would come home to Charlotte on the weekends, okay. going to church, helping my pastor. And um, also we had to do what what's called an extension. And that's where we go out into the community okay. as, as a preacher boy in right. school, sure. in the ministry. Um, I would still do my prison ministry. So I still had a connection with Charlotte. But um, so after the divorce, I did not want to come back to Charlotte. And the reason being because, you know, I don't have my wife. And now my friends, my family ask me, where's my wife? Now I got to relive this, tell the story all over again. You know, so I was really trying to avoid it. But God said, no, you're going to go back to Charlotte. So he, um, by um, some circumstances, situation at work, um, he, by force, you know, came back to Charlotte. Um, felt like my job was on the line there. Felt like they were trying to um, get me fired, so I transferred. And I came with Walmart. We with okay. Walmart, correct? And so, um, uh, put in about three WalMarts in the Greenville area where I lived, uh, and two in Greer, which is right next door to um, um, Greenville, and then one in Charlotte. And wouldn't you know, the only one to call me for an interview was the one in Charlotte. <laughs> and so we did an interview over the phone, right. and he loved the interview. And long story short, he hired me, wanted me to come transfer to this Walmart. I was a manager in the TLE department, mm-hmm. Tire Lube Express, where you get your tires and oil change. Yeah. And so um, got the job at Wilkerson Boulevard, okay. which is a rough Walmart, if okay. you know that yeah. Walmart. So anyway, I was able to come back to Charlotte, not wanting to, like I said, and just, you can't script it, how God brought me back for such a time. My pastor, I'll remind you, I was just going through a divorce, trying to avoid everything. Um, My pastor, who led me to the Lord, Mm -hmm. who founded our church, he's up in age, and um, he's about to make that transition and going home to glory, and he's going through physical problems. And um, at that time, some men at our church were trying to take the church. And um, it it was just a bunch of fighting over who was going to be the next leader. And then um, uh, going through, you know, Walmart, it was crazy. So I said all that to say through the circumstances that I was going through, God was speaking to me and he was uh, preparing me to do what I'm doing now. You know, right. and it was such a beautiful thing with everything that was going on. And so um, I moved back to Charlotte back in 2009 and um, couldn't stop talking about Jesus. You know, even uh, at Walmart, <laughs> I, I would, you know, be threatened. They would bring me in the office. Yeah. 
Right. Hey, you can't do that. You can't put out tracks in the right. bathroom on the shelves. I, I worked at Target once, and I used to find <laughs> tracks occasionally laying around Target. I was like, oh, who put this here? I was like, I felt so guilty if I should take it away or not. Yeah. I was like, should I allow the customer to find it, or do I need to pick this up because my manager was going to find it later? Right. <laughs> but I can testify, tracks really work. Okay. Tracks, um, <clears throat> before I had this um, encounter with this man that yeah. led me to the Lord, prior to that, I would find tracks. On the shelves, remind you, I was unloading trucks and stocking merchandise yeah. at Walmart. And um, third shift, as we putting up stock and stuff, I would see tracks on the shelves. And I would read it. And I was like, whoa. I couldn't <laughs> deny the power, the, right. the truth. Were they the Jack the tracks? Uh, yeah, the chick tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like yeah. Cartoons, like if you're on an airplane. Those are good. <laughs> that was the most effective, yes. Um, but I would find all kind of tracks. and they I would still make those? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't seen one in a long time. Yeah, I hand them out. I got some on nice. the pedicab nice. out there now. Let me get it one. When okay, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I would read the tracks, and I would go through the motions, mm-hmm. read it, do what it says at the end, you right. know, accepting Christ right. into your heart. And, um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just doing it because it was right. telling you what to do. And so later, that's when I met the man, and then he broke down salvation to me. Yeah, okay. And that's when I really believe I got saved. Okay. But I believe those tracks were tearing up the stony ground, sure. this hard heart right. of mine, right. so I could be receptive when that time came. Right. So tracks do work. So I would do, you know, I was a big fan of tracks. I would have tracks and putting them in the bathrooms, on the shelves, right. wherever. So the office managers and stuff, they would call me, Sam, are you doing this? You know, I couldn't deny it. So anyway, um, I was always talking about Jesus, always, you know. And so it was in me, uh, just real getting more intense, to leave Walmart right. and I got to get out of here and tell people about Jesus. Right. And Walmart was kind of like, it, it was a burden to me. Right. And I felt like I didn't have liberty, you know, to tell because sure. true, I'm working for a person. If I'm an owner of a company, right. I'm paying you to work, not to preach. Right? right. So I got it. And I knew uh, sooner or later I was going to be leaving. So 2008, nine, that's when I moved back to Charlotte, 2010, the Lord called me to hit the streets. Okay. And um, I did it, and I did it part-time, but he told me to leave completely, wow. and I didn't do it. I played the role of Jonah, and I ran the other way for five years. Wow. And um, God has a way of, by his cords of love, bringing you back home, right. you know, like the prodigal son, right. like That's Jonah. Right. And so he brought me back home, going through all what I was going through with my pastor, with work, with my um, my past uh, marriage, and um, I, I finally surrendered. I said, okay, God, I will go. And I um, said, just remember, I'm your son, I'm your child. Please take care of me. So 2014-15 is when I put in my resignation after 20 years at Walmart. Wow. And um, it was by God's grace that I was at, even at Walmart wow. one day, right. let alone 20 years because right. I had a criminal background. Right, I was about to say, like, I was, su- I was surprised to hear that because I was like, man, I'm surprised they hired you. Uh, by, <laughs> you know what I mean, but I mean, I know different companies have different policies on the stuff, but yeah. Well, I got to confess that back in those days, I started at Walmart in '95, yeah. and you know everything was paper application and all. all right. So I lied on the app. <laughs> I confess, it. <laughs> I lied. You know, I, mean, and, I don't blame you. Like, I would too. And, and by the grace of God, right. it got. They oversaw it. They didn't uh-huh. catch it, you uh-huh. know. Nice. And um, I thank God for Walmart because right. 
you know, hey, I eventually ended up getting saved at a Walmart nice. snack shop. There you go. Uh, and I tell people, you know, I thank God for Walmart. Um, I had big dreams to be basketball player. I love basketball. And um, I would have rather been 20 years in the NBA, <laughs> but I ended up doing 20 years at Walmart. Right. But I tell folks, I say, you know, it's better than 20 years in prison. Right. That's where I should have been. But God, you know what I mean? So back in 2010, he called me. And then, like I said, I ran the other way for five years. Then I finally surrendered to the Lord, you know, after um, living a carnal Christian life. Right. You know, carnality is the flesh. Sure. And I went back into that for about five to seven years. And then, like I said, I finally surrendered and said, okay, God, I'll go. Right. And um, 2014-15, that's when I let my job know, let them know about a year in advance. And the guys at the job, they were asking, where are you going to work? What are you going to do? Hey, God's calling me to go uptown and preach to God. Go uptown and preach. How are you going to pay your bills? Right. You know, they thought I was crazy. Number one question. Yeah. Like, <laughs> How are you going to eat? How are you going to pay me? <laughs> so I said, he just told me to go, so I'm going to go. And um, So now you do this full time? Yep, full time, going right. on six years now. And um, as you can see, I never missed a meal. Right. You look well, man. You look like you probably hit the falafel station. Uh, uh, right? Yeah. Um, so um, I can tell you, he's been so faithful, brother. He's been so faithful. I can, I can, honestly, I wish somebody would get a story of how God, from a bottle of water, a cup of cold water, to $5,000, or a man put a new motor in my pickup truck. And then another man a couple of years ago put a transmission in my pickup truck, new tires, um, had my whole truck done up, and um, in, in everything in between. You know, people just giving me money here and there. I've never solicited it, you know, never asked anybody for a penny. And um, it's just the love of Christ, you know. Um, and it resonates with people. They're like, man, I believe what this guy's doing and... Or support right. And like you said, um, I've seen the preachers. I've been, uh, you know, trial and error, right. a turn and burn preacher, right. you know. And um, Is that what, the first time you ever did street preaching? Can you want to talk about that? Like, mm -hmm. like, I know the first time I ever did it, I did it up at Burkdale Village in Huntersville. Right. And I was scared to death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I was a very shy kid. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, I was very fearful of talking in front of people. And, right. Um, so that was the first time I did it. What was your first experience? Like? It, it, ditto. Exactly yeah. the same. And I think everybody goes through that. Did you tell everybody they are going to hell on your first one too? I wasn't <laughs> so adamant. I had some King James only mentors that were mentoring okay. me. And they preached that right, turn right, or burn. You're right. going to go down and go there. But my pastor who right. led me to the Lord, he was, i never forget, he instilled this in me. He says, Sam, where love is felt, right. the message is heard. Right. I don't have to you know, beat you over the head and condemn you right. and um, be judgmental because right. Christ didn't give us that ministry. He gave right. us a ministry of reconciliation, Absolutely. not me condemning you and being judgmental, right. but that's what I do. I just preach love right. and where love is felt, the message is heard right. and it's been truly unbelievable. The, the relationships that we've made over the years with people just hearing Jesus saves, right. Jesus loves a simple message, right. you know, nothing, Long and drawn out because it's in a rat race. Right. And I just basically give little pocket Bibles, right. little New Testaments or tracks or bracelets or whatever. And just, you know, as they move through, just get hammering to them. And mainly my um, my instrument that I use is my voice. Mm -hmm. And it's basically 
like like I tell people, I don't scream, holler, yell. Right. Yeah, that's one shit a guy to be yelling or screaming, holler. I said, no, sir. I'm 48 years. I don't want no, <laughs> nobody screaming or hollering at right. me. Um, I said, but I do declare and proclaim. Right. And so that's what I do. I just it's audible and vocal. Good news, Jesus saves. He loves you guys. Well, sometimes John three sixteen, something simple, but uh, mainly I'm giving you the material with the Word of God in it. So that's my main instrument. Now I know Bill obviously knew who you are. He sees you every day working on the streets. Um, he's obviously been hearing you for years. Do you have a lot of other relationships with people you see regularly? Yes. What, yes. You, could you expand on any of those? Like, did any of them? Do you interact with any of them outside of the yes. street preaching? Do any of them come to your church? Yes. Or, okay. Oh, oh, brother, good yeah. questions. I, I tell you, yes, that's, that's lots of relationships okay. that have uh, in in the number of years, six years. Um, just had a man who works uptown, mm -hmm. and he has a condo uptown. He just got saved as a result of hearing me for years. Uh, Jesus saved, right. Jesus loves you. He, he wasn't saved prior to that. Right. He said he just knew I was doing a good thing. Right. And he said every time he heard it, he said I, he felt good, and he would just give me a thumbs up. And so he said he was a man that believed in morals. And he said he just saw the world just, the morality has just gone so downhill. Right. He just wanted to get a Bible just to look up morality and, right. you know, not to get saved or anything. Right. And he said he well, bought a book on Amazon, and as a result of hearing me and Buying that book and making it a point to read through it, he ended up giving his heart to Christ. Oh, wow. And that was a year ago. Beautiful. And this brother, he um, he invites me. Um, matter of fact, one uh, the uh, uh, not CIAA, but um, New Year's, mm -hmm. I I had um an opportunity to catch a power nap at his condo. Nice. He said, "Sam, come on over, man. You wow. can sleep on my um." I told him I sleep on the sofa. He's like, no, man, I got a room up there. He gave me the keys and wow. let me go up and sleep in his room. Um, just so many relationships where people have invited me to come over, have dinner, wow. um, churches, um, people individually. Um, and it's just unbelievable. I feel, you know, honored at the love that I give. It's like I'm not giving more than what I'm getting, you wow. know. Absolutely. But it's, um, it's, it's over the years it's been kindred hearts being brought together by a simple message. And it wasn't like that at first. You know, when I first came out there, people thought I was crazy. Sure. You know, you hear this big booming voice right. and you're trying to work. Right. I get it. But I didn't come out there to, um, I didn't come out there for fanfare, number right. one. Sure. I didn't come out there to uh, distract anybody from doing their job or, right. hey, somebody wants to come out and get something to eat uptown and they can't eat. Right. Because and enjoy because I'm right. That, that, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that wasn't my uh, intentions, and Lord knows that ain't what God called me to do. Right. Number one, God called me to come out uptown. It wasn't something that I just said, "Hey, I'm gonna go do." Right. Like I said, over the years, God called me, right. and He prepared me, right. and it's been such a beautiful th thing. Because, like I was sharing with you earlier. My pastor was making this transition, getting ready to go home to be with the Lord in 2013, which he went home to be with the Lord. So now I'm at a church where we're needing leadership and all. And and, and thank God, God had brought me back to help this church make that transition. And I'm still at the church. Okay. What uh, church is it? It's called Church at the Open Door. Church at the Open Door. Soval Park Road. Okay. Yep. Nice. 
And so, is your uh, pastor involved with any of your street preaching at all, or anybody at your church? Or no. they just understand that's just Sam's thing. And, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. They support me. They pray for me. They don't okay. give me nothing financially, or yeah. you know. Um, sometimes, let me say, excuse me. They'll, they'll um, take a love offering and oh. help buy tracks. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but no, it's more me. What God's called me to do. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was going on in 2013. Then, um, like I said, I came out 2014, 15. That was my last year at Walmart, and was out on the streets. And like I said, everybody wasn't favorable to it. They didn't like it. They, matter of fact, more people were against me. Right. City council having meetings specifically <laughs> to shut me down. Wow. Police were telling me. Christian policemen were telling me. Businessmen were telling me. Uh, matter of fact, it was a, a manager at the Essex restaurant. He's not there no more. He said, Sam. We're going to a meeting tonight, and it's about you. I said, really? I said, can I go? He said, no. <laughs> so it was so funny. I'd hear, and they would give me this feedback, what was said in the meetings. But um, that was the beginning in the former days. But now it's been seasons, years of encouragement. Um, it's been so amazing, the encouragement that I received. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But like I said, I'm not out there for fanfare. Right. I'm not out there for people to say we love them or we hate them. Right. I'm out there being number one because God called me to be out there. Now I'm a human being. I want to be loved. Right. I want to be respected. Absolutely. I want to be accepted. Sure. And that feels good. Don't right. get me wrong. And I thank God for the people who do love on me. Right. But truth be told, I would rather minister to the ones that don't understand the gospel, <laughs> right. who hate what I'm right. doing. You know, that's my favorite ones. And so many times I've had people come to me and apologize. I'm sorry. I mugged you. I thought you were crazy. But I love what you're doing now. And what you're doing has helped me get back in the church or read my Bible. Awesome. I, I hear so many testimonies. A girl was about to commit suicide one day in a church parking lot. Um, she went up on one of the parking decks, going through a messy divorce. And she says um, she was listening. She was a Christian. She says she was listening to um, I Can Only Imagine. And she said she was going through a divorce and she was ready to stop imagining. And she just wanted to see Jesus. And she says she hears in the late night, I got good news, Jesus, save Jesus. And she said she just fell under heavy conviction. And she said she couldn't commit suicide because she heard that message. I've had messages of people come from out of town, staying in the Marriott. This couple stayed in the Marriott for two months. And they said, the wife came to me. She said, I just want to let you know, we came here, we moved to the Marriott, and they were from, I think, um, St. Louis or some other city. And she said, we really know God brought us here to this city, to the Marriott, to this spot, to hear what you're saying. She said, because we were contemplating divorce. And they had two kids, you know. And one was a special needs kids, and she was holding the special needs kids. And um, she says, I just want to thank you. She said, because we knew it was God's divine plan. And hearing that, she said, we made a point not to get a divorce because of hearing your message, you talking about Jesus. And you can hear it so many times, businessmen and women telling me to keep on doing what you're doing. Right. We're going through stuff in our office. We want to beat up our manager. We want to... <laughs> <laughs> People are having um, um, uh, affairs and all kinds of stuff. And so uh, right. they encouraged me to keep doing what I'm doing. So all that prepared me. Um, like I said now, I'm just giving you the timeline. And then 2016 comes up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. And you know what that was about? Yeah. The Keith Lamont shoot. Right, right, right. And that was like nothing. Were you down here preaching during Every day. Wow. Every wow. day. So Every... all the riots and craziness and 
politicking and all that stuff. I, I remember when it came up the street because I was I'm here every day. Right. Um, now I try to make Sundays my day of rest, okay. but I'm still here. So six days a week. Six days much. a week. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. And so I remember when I saw them coming because I heard a right. bunch of drums and banging and yelling and cahoot. Right. I was like, "What is going on?" Then I it just dawned on me. Oh, they protesting the police shooting. Wow. And so as they came to the corner, trade and try. Huh? Right. Um, that's where I stand there every day. Um, I was about ready to. Say, okay, have at it. Because right. I couldn't even hear myself. Sure. And the Holy Spirit said, no, don't you leave. He says, I want you to stand here. I was like, I can't even hear the message. I can't even hear myself think. Right. And uh, he says, just keep talking. Just right. keep proclaiming and declaring. And so as I'm, you know, Jesus saved, you can barely hear me. And then um, as I'm out there for hours, the Holy Spirit, I mean, we were like, it was back and forth, you right. know, the protesters. Their, their message, hands up, don't shoot, after right. police, right. no justice, no peace, release the tapes. My message was the same as I do every day. Right. Good news, Jesus saved, Jesus loves you. And so the Holy Spirit gave it to me. As the ringleaders, the two girls with the megaphones, he says, when they talk, I want you to talk. And so as they were with their bullhorns, you know, no justice, no peace, you know, people repeat after them. Then as they would talk, I would Jesus saves! <laughs> and it ended up causing confusion. And it ended up drowning them out. And they couldn't get on one, they couldn't get on the same page. And um, I kid you not, brother, probably two, two and a half weeks of the good news against the protesters. Wow. God drowned them out. God shut them down. Wow. I mean, it was unbelievable what God was doing. And so I'm just so grateful for how hindsight, I look back at how he prepared me. Right. And now here we are, 2020, right. and we got a big opportunity coming right. up, a big state. Yes, the RNC, right. yes, yeah, yes. Were ask, like, so how are you preparing? Like, do you even know if they'll let you preach downtown then? Like, I imagine, like, the government being what it is, like, right. so Secret Service is going to be like, that guy's got to go. Right. Like, how well, do, you, do you know how it's going to work? I don't know what's going to befall me, but it's not, you know. Um, Might have to take a vacation that week? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's my biggest work day. Okay. No. Um, so it ain't nobody let me do nothing. They're not going to let me, right. um, but it's what the Holy Spirit does. Okay. He's going to call these people. And I thank God for when the police, um, the Keith Lamont shooting. Yeah. God gave me perfect, like, I, fe I felt the way to explain it was like Moses um, parted the Red Sea. Yeah. God through Moses parted the Red Sea, right. dry land and water on one side, and they fled through, right. freeing, um, fleeing the Egyptians. That's what it was like at the um, police uh, protests. Okay. Um, police on this side, protesters on this side, and God gave me opportunity to march up and down for hours, ah. for days. I would march up and down. It was a line. And it was a very thin line, and I could walk up and down it. And other people were, about three or four other people, but they were trying to, you know, pump up the protesters and whatnot. Right, sure. But I was sitting up there just marching, and the police, by God's grace, allowed it. They restrained from doing anything. They just said, because I talked to the sergeant who was over, right. um, he said, Sam, he said, this is what we get paid to do. Right. And he said, Sam, I was ready to rock and roll. <laughs> he said, but, you know, he said, I'm going to sit back and see how this thing plays out. And he says, I just let you march up and down, and I didn't give the command to them. He said, but I, I was ready to give the command to them to shut the street down. Nice. 
They did it on the other side, and they were ready to, you know, because they started in the middle and fan out like that. And um, he said he just wanted to see how it played itself out. And he was very good. He took me out to um, dinner, and we talked about it and how what he witnessed and stuff. But God gave me so much favor, and that's what I believe God's going to do at the RNC. God will give me um, favor between protesters and, and the police, and he'll whoever needs to hear the message. He'll place me there. So you always preach at the same spot. Do you ever preach somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you saw the trike, the pedicab out there. Yeah. I ride around the town, and okay. uh, sometimes I'm down here at Ramir Beard in the park okay. here. Sometimes I'm at the other park, Fort Worth, Fort Worth. Just wherever the people at. Okay. I was just up at um, the Epic Center last night because okay. you know we got to see our double A right, tournament right, this weekend. Right, right. It's packed out there. Okay. Um, the NBA tournament, when it was down there, that's the hot spot, the Epic Center. Um, so What about like during Speed Street and um, when they have the gay parade? And, you I'm know, there all that stuff. four years. Oh, okay. And and I could testify, brother, um, I used to be homophobic. Okay. I really did. Um, um, before Christ and then even after I got saved, okay. I just didn't deal with them people. Right. You know, that's how I looked at it. Um, but the Holy Spirit was working in my heart. And um, he was telling me, I want you to go to the pride parade. Uh-huh. I was like, no, I'm not going out there. He's like, you're going to go where I, where I send you, no matter what the time, or no matter what the people, what the place looks like. And so he says, go out there and share the love of Christ. And basically, that's what I did. The same message, good news, Jesus said, right. not condemning anybody. Right. You know, sometimes I get a response, I'm gay. I said, I'm out here talking about a lifestyle. Right. I'm talking about a man named Jesus. Right. And um, sometimes they'll ask me, um, you know, hey, is um, being homosexuality, uh, being gay a sin? I say, well, let me ask you a question. Do you love God's word? Yeah. And they say, yeah, I love God's word. I say, well, God's word said it. I said, I didn't say it, right. but God still loves you. Right. I used to, and how the Holy Spirit helped me to get over my being homophobic was he showed me my sin. Right. My sin. Right. I was a whoremonger. I, you know, you know, whoremonger, right. and this is what I told some of the gay guys. Um, I said I was a whoremonger. They say, say what? <laughs> a whoremonger? They didn't know what a whore. I said right. you ain't never heard nobody say That's you ain't nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. So I said you ain't never heard nobody say you ain't nothing but a whore. Right. I said I loved women, right. and I said any woman that was loving me, I didn't see nothing wrong with it. Right. And I said, but when God showed me after I got saved that it's sin, right. I had to. Call out for help right. and deliverance. Right. I didn't stop like that, right. but gradually I, he gave me the power to say no to that sin. And so I said, you know, and the Holy Spirit showed me, he said, if I can save you from your sin, being a whoremonger, right. I can save them from their sin as well. And I love them. Right. And so those folks, um, when I say those folks, right. I'm talking about um, the LBGTQ community right. and Muslims. Right. Um, are two p- groups of people that I have a heavy heart for mm. in getting the gospel to. Awesome. I love those folks. Right. And yeah, four years, I'm proud to say I've been at the Pride Parades. Right. And um, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say it that I'm sharing the gospel right. and I'm not condemning them. Right. People come out to that parade and sure. they want to, like you talk about, turn or burn and God, preach that fight. Exactly, exactly. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm like, man, that message is not going to resonate. Right. You're going to shut them down to the gospel. That is not doing the kingdom of God right. no good. That makes you feel good about yourself. Right. You're going to have them. Right. Like, yeah, it's not going to help anybody. And it's yeah. not. It's not going to help right. that cause at all. So I just love on them, and we've had good relationships. Awesome. Some of those folks love me, and some of them hate me. Right. Some of them think I'm against them. Right. I'm not against any of those folks. Right. I love the sinner, right. but I hate sin. Right. Because, you know, that's what separated us from God is sin. Right. But I love I love those folks, right. you know. So I'm grateful to say, yeah, um, Pride Parade, um, any other parade, right. Martin Luther King, Christmas Parade, Thanksgiving, um, football games, Panther games, basketball games, wherever the people at, that's right. where you're going to see me. Sure. Yeah. Very nice. So I just. It's beautiful. Like, I, like I, I know, like, when I used to do it at UNC Charlotte, uh, when I would go there and street preach, there was this guy, his name was Gary. And he'd go there, and he would, like, give the most crass um, sermons, open air. Like, he was, I almost considered him my rival street preacher because he was the in-your-face, God-hates-fad sort of yeah. sort of stuff. And he was always crass. And he would, like, you know, you can't put a potato in. The, I'm just like, yeah. what the heck are you talking? Like, this is in Jesus. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Like, Amen. And it always broke my heart. But it is amazing because, like, it was almost like a Jerry Springer show because... Him talking that way definitely drew him the crowd every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, and I would try to come with a softer, like, Jesus said, yeah, I yeah. love you sort of message. And then everybody's just like, well, I have to go to class. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they'd skip class to hear him talk about God hates fags. And it was like, uh, it, was, it was hilarious. Yeah. Was like, but it always felt discouraging a little to me. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that with you, that, that um, you know, you've been able to foster relationships like with that and stuff because... It's very. I, I did it kind of sporadically. I tried to do it regularly for a little while, but just stuff. Um, and but I did. I did have some. Like, there's a, a friend of mine on Facebook. I don't. I've lost contact with him personally, except mm-hmm. through Facebook. Right. We've been Facebook friends for I don't know, ten years, fifteen years now. Okay. Um, and so it's like it was nice to see some sort of relationships form out. So that's awesome to hear yeah. your stories about that because I think some even some street preachers can get discouraged, even the ones who do it well. That. Like, you don't see much fruit instantly. Like, mm. it's not like John Wesley days where you're preaching and people are falling yeah. out of trees and yeah. getting saved right yeah. there. And, yeah, You know, I mean, like, uh, what must I do to be saved? Yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah. just kind of ignore you and walk on. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and so that's that's amazing to hear. So if somebody was feeling called in their heart to, to be a street preacher like you are, or even just do it part-time, if they're like, God's dealing with their heart, what would you tell that person who is possibly considered doing doing that? What would be your message to them? Um, Number one, live a Christ-centered life. Live a Christ-centered life. Um, Because if you got any sin in your heart, in your life that you're you're harboring, that you're holding on to, um, before you hit the streets, it's a good time to evaluate and look at yourself and repent of it. Call it out. Get it out. Get it out of you. And then, because I'm telling you that, because I lived, a, like I shared with you, a carnal Christian life. Right. And it wasn't to the point that I started making it Christ-centered. Right. The, you know, think that, right. say that, and do that, which pleases Christ. Right. Um, and I'm not perfect. Don't right. get me wrong. Sure. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But I know when I made that decision to surrender right. and, and say, okay, Lord, yes, everything is yours. Um, then that's when the Holy Spirit filled me. He filled me, and um, it's just been uh, unbelievable. Like I don't, I don't care. I don't care what people say and what people think of me. Right. I have an audience of one. Absolutely. 
And that's the Lord that's Jesus. That's actually been a phrase I've used. Before. Really? Like I, I'm out there preaching to Jesus. Amen. Amen. You get it. You get it. I, I, I can only appease one person. I can't even please myself. Amen, like, brother. So yeah. it's like. I hate my own preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you critique it, right? At the end of the sermon, right, you could, right, I should have right. said that. I should have, yeah. Right, yeah. But I tell him, just to hear those words, right. well done, now good and faithful that's servant. Right. I said, that's what I'm. my goal is. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, you can't please everybody. Right. And don't even try to please. Right. Just, um, number one, make sure it's well with you and the Savior. Right. That you, your you, your 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 sin, your old accounts are cleared out, right. and you're living to the best of your ability, a Christ-centered life. And then the Holy Spirit is going to come, and He's going to do what He wants to do. Right. And um, for me, He's given me a spirit of boldness. And and I prayed, and I prayed and fasted. Let me say, right. I prayed it for courage, because I too was like you. Right. And, and 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 truth be told, I think every man of God and woman of God that handles the Word of God. Right that makes a pro proclaiming or preaching or declaring God's good news, um, the word of God, um, you should have those feelings. Right. If you don't have those gut feelings, right. the, the, the nervousness, the sweatiness, right. um, the trembling and all that, you need to check yourself because, <laughs> you know, I mean, think about it. You're handling right. two things that are forever. Number one, that's God's word. Right. And then the number two is the souls of men and women right. and boys and girls. Right. So, yeah, you should have some kind of feelings, right. you know, but then, you know, the Holy Spirit, those feelings, they don't trump the faith, right. you know, and his word. And his word and, and so he puts all that to the side and it's like that, you know, let everything that, um, uh, let everything that, uh, uh, let Jesus Christ have the preeminence right. and everything be cast down, feelings and all. So I, I would just suggest live that Christ-centered life. Um, reading your Bible, praying, right. um, witnessing, doing it when you don't want to do it. Right. So many days I have to put a smile on my face. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Right. I want to tell you right. so many conversations I've been in where I'm actually praying to God, move this person. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being real, brother. Right. Right. But I don't do that right. because that's not my will. Right. God brought this man or this woman here to confide in. They want to talk. They want counsel. Right. Um, and so I, I, I'm, that's what I do is I minister. That's what a minister is, is a servant. Right. And people like to say, you're famous, you're an icon, you're a celebrity. Right. I tell them, no, I'm a servant. Right. That's what Christ came to do, and that's right. what he told us to do. And that's what I tell folks that's being called to do street evangelizing or the work of an evangelist is that it's church without walls right. out there. Sure. It, 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 everything that goes on in them. Uh, four walls of a church building right. goes on out there in them streets. Right. But the only difference is in a church building, the leadership and the pastors can script how they want the service to go. Right. And pastor can write out a sermon. Uh, but out there on the streets, right. you don't plan nothing. Right. The Holy Spirit does all that. And it's just so beautiful when you let go of your life and people come up to you. Let me ask you a question. Or people want to attack you or whatever they want to do or say. Um, that's one thing I learned is that I can't control anything anybody says right. and I can't control anything that anybody does. What I can control is how Sam responds to it. Right. And like you were talking about earlier, the transition from being um, in and out of jail, this hardcore street life to now a believer. And it's such a beautiful thing because Jesus showing me and showing the church how to be the lamb of God. Right. It's not easy being a lamb. Sometimes we want to be a wolf or a big dog and deal with these issues. Right. But Christ told us to be a lamb. Right. 
you know, and that's what he called us to be, a lamb going to the slaughter. And it's such a beautiful thing when I can control my spirit and not let them push my button. When they want to see hate, I still love on them, you know. So that's one thing I've learned is that I can't control anything anybody says or does, but what I can control is how I respond to it. Like the Bible says, a man that cannot control his own spirit is like a city with broken down walls. You don't know what you're capable of doing when that anger gets to you. So... Out there, yeah, you definitely, like the world says, you got to have thick skin. Right. I tell them, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, out there in the world, you got to have a thick covering, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, right. you know. So I would just say, hey, if you're being called right. to be an evangelist or do any type of work for our serving, um, doing kingdom business for our Lord, is live a Christ-centered life and, um, and, 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 and let the Holy Spirit just... Don't take no thought of your life. Right. What you're going to eat, what you're going to say, where you're going to lay your head. I've been to seven cities huh? outside of Charlotte and went there for the sole reason of preaching the gospel. Next. And it's been unbelievable what the Lord has done. Thanks. Unbelievable, brother. Um, but that's another story. But I would just encourage folks, just like Nike, I think they got the greatest slogan, just do it <laughs> and let the Holy Spirit lead. Right. Amen. That's awesome. So do you feel like at least I know personally, and I was talking about earlier when, you know, there are some things when I did some street preaching, especially early on, that I was struggling with some in my life. Do you feel sometimes, and it kind of bent the message to be something other than a Christ-centered message. Do you feel like if, if you have some garbage in your life that you're, you haven't really surrendered to the Lord, that that kind of comes out in your preaching a little bit and you might make it not what it needs to be? Right. Amen. That's part of it. It will happen. Um and then what I experienced, too, um, as far as me personally, is when I was, you know, when I knew I had sin in my life, um, I would be, I think the Holy Spirit would just, like, take a covering away from me, so, so to say, some protection, and I would get a lot more grief, you know, from personal attacks and stuff. And I knew it was happening because I wasn't living this crisis. Like, whenever this went down, I thought about the sin that was in my life. That's the mentality I have. But God's grace covers it all. Right. It's not by works of righteousness. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I knew that when I do, when I don't um, live a Christ-centered life, I know it gets harder. I've seen it firsthand out there on the streets. Right. And um, I just thank God, you know, that he's long-suffering. Right. And um, it's been such a beautiful thing to see him, you know, just um, be patient with me. Right. In spite of myself, I mean, because some days, I mean, brother, people say things to me and, you know, like you talked about earlier about being a street preacher and how, you know, you preach a sermon is too hard or something. Sometimes people come and say, do things to you and then the flesh flares up and you have to repent of it, you know, catch yourself, you know. So I'm just grateful. It's been a learning process. It's been such a glorious opportunity. And, um, you know, what you had talked about earlier, um, I, I, that's one thing I thank God for is the season right now where I'm in encouragement. I told you that earlier because people didn't like it at first, but now it's encouragement. But I could kid you not, brother. Told you five years I ran the other way because I wanted somebody to come with me. That was my excuse for not going. That was my main excuse. That I wanted somebody. I was like, Lord, Jesus, you sent the disciples out by two. And, you know, you said two is better than one. And um, I just want somebody to go with. Right. And nobody came, and the Holy Spirit said, you go. Right. 
And so that was five years. I ran the other way. Now I've been doing it six years. Right. And brother, I've had some folks come and go. Don't get me wrong. Right. Probably uh, a couple of weeks. Maybe the longest I had was maybe three months. But they've all gone, you know. Okay. And um, it's just been unbelievable. I'm still waiting on co-labors. So that's the season where I'm at now. Is Because I hear it all the time. Right. We love you. You're doing a great job. And they encourage me, like I right. say. But I want them... You see me out there, right. now come alongside of me right. and let's do this together right. because that's my ultimate goal is revival, right. is that God will do a work in Charlotte, North Carolina, right. that it won't just affect our city, right. but it affect our state, the country, and even the world. Amen. That's the big goal. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the dealing with the stuff because like, I remember once I went out to UMC Charlotte to do some evangelizing there, and I took a pastor friend of mine with me. Well, you know, you're on a college campus, girls dress like they do, and apparently this pastor was struggling with lust issues mm -hmm. because while we were preaching, while I was preaching, mm -hmm. there was a guy over on the sidelines who called him out mm -hmm. because he noticed him following some mm -hmm. some girl around with his eyes. Right. Every, clearly, every I, I didn't notice because I was preaching, uh, right. but uh, apparently everybody else noticed the right. way this particular girl was dressed. And right. He was into her, and he's like, I'm not going to believe your message because mm -hmm. of... He's like, I watched how long you looked at that right, girl over there. Right. And I was like, man. Yeah. I looked at him. I was like, are you kidding me? Right. Like, you're having those issues and you're out here. Like, <laughs> I, I was pretty upset. Right. Um, and, I, you know, we shut, shut down shortly after that. So it was right. just like, man. Um, okay. So you, you talked also your struggles. Was it when you went from being a Christian to not a Christian? Mm -hmm. How hard of that was you? And what do you think was the, the thing that kept you from being fully surrendered and you know, kind of living that sort of dual lifestyle sort of set where, where you were, what particular, you know, held you back from being all that you felt like you should have been for, for the Lord? Mm, good question. So for me, um, it was... Especially since you came out such a hard life. Mm -hmm, like, I right. It was easy just to walk away from that. Right, right. Um, trying to serve two masters, you know, that flesh is a mess. And um, especially after you've lived this life. Right. You know, I, I never thought people kept themselves to marriage. I used to be poked on by my family members 12 years old. You got a girlfriend yet? No, I don't got a girl. We go to a picnic or, or, or a party or something. They would tease me because I didn't have a girlfriend at that age. So I thought something was wrong with me. You know what I mean? And then coming out of a life where I didn't have a man, uh, a role model to say, hey, you're doing this good or you're not doing this right. right. And I had to do it, you know, in my own eyes. Um, I, I just, it, it, it wasn't about, you know, like the snap of a finger right. that I made this transition. And um, some things was, you know, like the smoking the weed. Right. God delivered that from me. Okay. And I've done that for years and I grew it, sold it, and smoked it. Oh. I thought, I, hey, I thought I was going to be a roster because right. I had a jail rack and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to be a roster. And God nice. said, No, you're not. And He took that desire away, away from me. Amazing. He took that appetite out of my mouth, out of my lungs. Right. He took that whole environment, you know, my friends and all the, the, the sessions that we used to have. But the, the the women, I'll be honest with you, that took a little bit longer for me. And then I met my wife and whatnot. And it, it God just, it's a process. And I just thank God some things were a little bit quicker and better than others, but some, you know, I struggled with. But, um, you know, getting back, I wanted to make a point uh, to the 
uh, women, and you were talking about that street right. minister and all, um, because that's what I tell men. You're going to deal with this every day. Absolutely. Every day. Because <laughs> we live in a world where, you know, I'm not saying, just people dress, they express right. themselves nowadays, right. Right. how they want to, and um, we have to govern ourselves, you know. Right. And, sure. I, 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 and we can't blame other people. Right. right. And that's one thing I, I try to... Uh, that's one thing I try to keep in mind that people are watching you. Right. You're out here preaching the word. Right. Okay, let's look at the street preacher and see what he does. Right. Oh, he's looking at that woman. Right. Oh, oh, look at the street preacher. He's jaywalking. Right. So many times I want to walk across the street with his red, but I know people look at you sure. know, and they want to. And that's what Paul say. After we preach Christ, we don't want to be a reproach right. to the name of Christ. You know, so you you have to be um, far as surrendered and. Um, I just thank God that hey, the 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 field the harvest is great and it's been such a uh, wonderful harvest to work and do the kingdom of God. But it's also been good training ground for me right. and my walk with the Lord. Right. I kid you not. Um, I think after making a decision to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that was my first greatest decision. The second by far wasn't to go to Bible college. For me, the second was to answer the call of God to go out to the streets. And now he has equipped me and he's still training me, the Holy Spirit that is. He's still teaching me every, I mean, almost every day or every week I'm learning something, you know, so. So how did, like, the one thing that struck me, like when Bill was telling me about you and um, when I watched your interviews and stuff on TV news and whatever, um, you, you do radiate love. I'm talking to you now. I'm sure people hear the love in your voice. You probably weren't always a very loving person, were you? No, sir. <laughs> how did that How did that love develop in you over the years? Do, you, do Was there a moment like that you realized that, hey, man, I actually love people? Or is that just, is it always just been a gradual thing of you just, you've thrown in your faith and as a result, love just every day? Like, yeah. What can you say to that? Amen. Um, I think we need a lot of that in this world. Uh, like, thank you, brother. Yeah. Um, so how did came about with me personally, is I've always been a people person. I, like I told you, I always talk, talk, talk. I was the class clown in elementary and growing <laughs> up. You know, I love people. Um, but I think for me as a Christian, when I accepted Christ, and as I read God's word, the more I read God's word, the more I love his word. And I tell people, if you love God's word, you're going to love God's people. And that's everybody. And that, that's the thing I think that's grown my love for people is by staying in the Word of God. And now I can love on people. I, my pastor was that way. He didn't know a stranger. You know what I mean? This man, he was a real frail man, but he had a booming voice. He could sing. I, I don't have that gift. I make a joyful noise. But, <laughs> but he could sing, and he always was the same type of personality. People was drawn to him. Right. And that's the, you know, that's nothing but of the Holy Spirit. Right. That's nothing that I've orchestrated or scripted or tried to work on. But yeah, my personality, I love people. Yeah. And um, that was the thing um, that got me into trouble before Christ. I was a follower mm. of people. Mm. And I followed a lot of friends on dummy missions, doing sin, doing right. stuff that right. wasn't of God. Right. Um, but then when I followed Christ, right. he put everything in perspective. And I tell people those, those followers make the great leaders. Right. And now I'm just so grateful, brother, that I can be around people. I love people. Right. And the hardest thing for me has to be to be by myself. Mm. And I can say, you know, these last 10 years, it's been lonely. Yeah. Ministry is a very lonely world. Yeah, 
But I thank God he's given me grace to deal with it. And now this loneliness, he, the Holy Spirit has had me, had me to look at as God and me time. Now I can hear his voice. Now I can talk to God. You know, it's just me and him moments. But I, I'm content. And like the Apostle Paul, I've learned to be content whether to be with people or to be by myself. But, I, I, you know, I'm just so grateful. And the one thing I can say, if you love God's word, you're going to love God's people. And I guess that's what radiates is that, you know, the love of people is coming from the love of God. That's what I tell folks. I do what I do because the love of Christ constrains me. I don't know. I have no other way to explain it. Yeah, it's amazing because like so many street preachers, I go, they would say they love God. They'd probably say they love people. And that's why they're preaching to them so hard because, you know, well, I got to tell them the truth. And, you know, the most loving thing I can do is tell them the truth. I'm like, yeah, but you can not be a jerk about it. Right. There you go. And, and, you know, I, I think these guys, because, you know, like I tell you, I, I was used to doing it seven days a week. Now I'm trying to do it six days, I'm trying to have one day of rest. Um, but I'm out there. And not only do I have a big mouth, right. I tell people I got a big mouth because I got a big guy right. and I got to tell it. You know, that, that's my whole thing. But not only did God give me this voice and this mouth, but God also, he gave me ears to listen. I love sitting down talking to people and most importantly, listening to people. Because as I listen to you, the Holy Spirit's going to give me discernment. And it's such a beautiful thing when you listen to people. They'll tell you what they're thinking and how they're feeling. And um, so I said that to say um, it's just been a blessing to not only talk, listen, but I'm out there looking for people too. I'm a people watcher. I love watching for people. And I said that to say, I'm looking for these pastors. I'm looking for my brothers and my sisters, these fellow um, street preachers and all. And I don't see them, brother. You know when I see them? Gay pride parade on a on a on a on a a CIAA tournament or parade. But you're not out there every day or once a week at least. And now you're trying to cram down these folks' uh, uh, their lives. The message of the cross is so heavy that even. Us church folks can't even receive it. Sure. But you're trying to give it to an unbeliever in their environment. Jesus didn't operate. Like, he bumped elbows with the sinners. Right. He got down on their level and met them right there on their knee. Right. And so, you know, I just think when you love on folks, it, it's better approach than just, yeah, we love. And I know you say you love to give them the truth. Right. But it's like you say, your approach on how you give them the truth. Right. Isn't it an appropriate time to come at them? like that at this gay pride parade when you're talking about this, you know. And so I'm just grateful, brother, that, you know, it's been, like I said, a learning experience for me. And I'm so grateful that, hey, the Holy Spirit is the one that scripts all of it. It's beautiful. With uh, your voice preaching six days a week, gosh. That's like, I've I've taught things at work because I involve some training at work. And if I have to pre, if I have to teach somebody six days in a row how right. to underwrite mortgages, man, I'm, I'm I'm struggling. Right. So how do you how do you keep your pipes up besides natural talent and stuff? Like, do you have any tricks of the trade? <laughs> uh, like, I, I I've read like D.L. Moody or somebody like um, did something with brown spicy mustard. Yeah. To uh, or maybe Charles Spurgeon, I forget. But they're right. talking about how like they they're like I would eat hot mustard before yeah. I go like, yeah. do you have anything that you do to keep your voice I, like I really don't I've heard some of those stories right. too yeah. one of the preachers put golf balls or some kind of balls in their mouth right. and was talking with it to train his voice but no I've 
I, it's, it's, it's God-given. Right. I've always wanted to be a singer. Mm. I love music. And I've always wanted to sing, but people were so discouraging. And telling me I couldn't sing, you know, and I thought I could. I, so, I, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> you know what I, I feel. I feel like the guys on American right. that they talk negatively about it. <laughs> <laughs> so they would all, well, you know, most people would say, hey, you need to sing from your gut. Right. You need to bring it from your diagram out, you know, right. diaphragm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it out. And I'm like, how do you do that? I don't know how. Right. Some people tried to train me enough. But um, I've always wanted to learn how to do that, you know, but. I've never had any type of training or anything. Okay. Um, I could just tell you, like, where it all started, street preaching was um, just being obedient to God. Um, I just was riding my bicycle one day. Um, from I live on, on the east side of town, East Bay um, and Central, to Wilkinson Boulevard. I told you I worked at Walmart. So I would ride my – I'm an adventurous type. I like Bill. I like to ride. So I would ride my bike from one side of town to the other you know, um, for work. And so as I was coming down central and coming to the city, I see all these people because I had to be to work at 2 o'clock. So it was right at lunchtime, 12, 31 o'clock. And I'm seeing all these people. And the Holy Spirit said, tell them I love them. And I disobeyed. And I was like, I can't do that. I was just so scared. I opened up my mouth, say something. And then all of a sudden, I just kept feeling this intensity. And so about three weeks later, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so one day I'm riding to work, and um, I see all these people. And from the, uh, the moment I saw the first group of people all throughout the city to the last, you know, um, road over here on Moorhead where I go, um, everywhere I would see people, I was just as audible and vocal. Jesus saves me as I'm riding a bicycle. And I'd, be, I'd, get, I'd get ready Go through city and then I was, ooh, I was so happy that was over with and done. I was so nervous, brother. My hands were sweating. I was sweating like I played a game of basketball. But I really believe that as a result of that obedience, God gave that gift to me. Because then um, it just became naturally, you know, um, looking back hindsight as I look back at it. Because I was trying to figure out how did I get this voice. I've always been a talker, but I never had this voice until, you know, 2014, I would say. Okay. And um, it started on the bicycle, like I said, sharing the good news from the bicycle as I, as I was going to work. And then after I left Walmart, remember I told you that, 14, 15, and I never forget <laughs> walking the streets, passing out tracks in the material, and people wouldn't take the material. And so one day I was trying to pass out tracks, and these people, you know, would reject it. And I'm going to be honest with you, that used to make me mad. I'm sure. It used to make me mad. But now it grieves me. I don't get angry about right. it no more. It grieves me when people pass up the word of God. So one day, these group of businessmen, they just ignored me and everything. So as I'm sitting there with the track, I turned the opposite way. And I said, I got good news! And I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably heard you straight forward. Hello, anybody working today. <laughs> so it just started from that. And I just kept doing that method. <laughs> and then every day I just kept doing it. Oh, have mercy. Yeah. <laughs> and so and then I started learning about the First Amendment, right? And, you know, you get the First Amendment, right? right? Sure. As long as I'm not amplifying my voice. Right. As speaking as loud as I want to, so I say, "Hey, I might so you as well. never use any microphones never. or anything. Okay. Never. It didn't sound like you need to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I'm loud. Like, and I've done street preaching, but I always, when I was doing it, I always made sure I was speaking in like very strategic 
ways like being in an area that was more of a natural amphitheater yeah. type environment. So when yeah. I would do it at UNC Charlotte, I would do it at the quad. Yeah. Uh, because the way the buildings were structured, it could right. hear me from a while. Right. I'm loud, but I'm not your loud. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I'm, a, I'm aware of that too, yeah. you know, because certain buildings, certain places, yeah. It, it just pings off louder, you know. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, but it wasn't anything that I trained for, or, okay. you know. So you never had somebody like, like when I did it, I was very inspired by, I mean, it felt like God called me to do that, but like I took a lot of lessons from Ray Comfort. Or even though oh, I like, love him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah way of the master. Yeah, yeah, way of the master. Very good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I took a lot of lessons from him. And yeah. My, like he's a tiny little Australian guy. <laughs> He is. Pipsqueak type boy. Like yeah. And so he's like, make sure you stand on a ladder, elevate yourself above. Right. Like, so do you, so do you ever like think of things like that to do, or you just? I, that's my. I I, I envision that. Yeah. I would love. I mean, to you're be, already pretty tall. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would love to be like that, but for me, um, like I was telling you, I'm waiting for that season where people come alongside. Yeah. See, basically, I'm just declaring and proclaiming okay. as audible and vocal. Right. I would love to be an opportunity where I can stand and preach yeah. sermons, you know, but it's going to take other people to come alongside, you know. And so, um, but, yeah, I love the way they deliver that. Um, it's been kind of uh, encouragement to me. Yeah. But, no, I just did it as the Holy Spirit. Okay. He gave me, he equipped me to be able to proclaim it the way I done. Now, do you operate off of, like, I mean, I know street preaching can't really... Like I've tried to preach like sermons yeah. uh, in the street, and I've realized those people are going to sit there long enough to listen to that. Right. Uh, do you have like a little script that you try to work off every day, or is it just whatever you feel God putting in your heart at the moment? Or like, like, do you have like I'm going to talk about these ten things today yeah. over the course of my how, how many hours a day do you preach? Um, I, I could say it's probably probably four to eight hours, okay. sometimes ten on the weekend. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, do you have like like, I'm going to hit on these 10 points today, right. or okay? No, um, just on special times, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll plan a sermon. I, it's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. No, but I just do it as the Holy Spirit leads me. That, that's the way I find best. Because um, normally, like I said, I'm just declaring and proclaiming a simple message, right. you know. Um, but then there comes times where people want to come and, talk. you know, talk yeah. or debate. Right. Um, I, you know, and the Holy Spirit just... You know, like, for example, I get it so many times, you know, the Hebrew Israelite guys. Yeah, tell me about it. Like, I, I, I heard the, you got pushed into the water fountain. Yeah, yeah, and yes. they did that. So one of the younger groups attacked me, um, and um, it shocked me when he right. did it because I knew of these they, guys. They, they believe they're, like, Christian and stuff, don't they? No, or, no. no they, they, they preach another gospel. Uh, they, I mean, they think they're, do they think they're Christian? They, no, they say they're the original um, Hebrew Israelites. Oh, okay. And they basically they say only the blacks, Latino, and Native American are getting into heaven. Amen. Everybody else goes to hell. I say I'm a black man, and that message offends me. I wouldn't want to serve a guy like that, right, you know. Right. All these other ethnicities, and only right. three ethnicities are going to heaven. I said that's the same thing the KKK said, right, you know. Um, but no, they don't believe. They believe in a work base. Um, salvation. They don't call Jesus Christ. They call him Yeshua. Who is his Hebrew name? Right, right. Um, but their whole message is because I asked myself, how can a man be born again? Right. How can you go to heaven? Keep the laws and the commands. Um, don't round your beard. Um, wear fringes, and you got to be from one of those twelve tribes. 
I said, none of that is going to get you into the kingdom of right, God. Right. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. So, yeah, those guys, they're real radical. But there are a lot of them around here. Oh yes, bro. They probably got six or seven of those groups. I, I've heard of them. I know. Like I heard of like I first heard of them uh, through a friend, but then I heard when that Washington D.C. Yeah. thing happened with the, that, that kid, kid and the Native yeah. American guy, and they and, blew and it they up. had that confrontation on the Lincoln Memorial, yeah. and I those guys were there at that incident. And like that kid was originally there to protest them or something. Yeah. I forget the exact details, but right. like I was like, wow. And then I heard that they pushed you into that well. And yeah. So they, have you been assaulted much uh, over the years, or do yeah. people overthrow stuff at you, or I mean, these guys pushed you into the yeah. little park. Thing, right. But, yeah. So, yeah, I've been assaulted. I have not been assaulted until I started coming out in the streets proclaiming the good news. I've never been hit, spit, or mistreated any kind of way until I came to the streets sharing the gospel. But I count it all joy. Yeah, those guys, they they slammed through me in the air. and Like I said, my foot hit the fountain because it ain't nothing but granite and metal in there. And um, I had a... a a hotline fracture in my ankle, oh, just yeah, and a high ankle sprain. Um, and then on one incident, they pepper sprayed me. Wow. Two different groups though, wow. but the same e- the Hebrew Israelites. Really? Wow. They're real radical, wow. but they don't normally do this. These were the younger groups. The older guys, they stay in their lane. They talk a lot right. and they look mean, but they won't do what the younger groups did. Right. But um, yeah, they just were mad because I was. Sharing Jesus Christ, who they don't agree with. They say he's a white man's Jesus. And then um, a white man's God. And then um, they don't like it because I'm louder than them, you know. And so that's why they do what they did. But, yeah, so when those groups come, um, you know, still the same message. But then the Holy Spirit will give me more. Like I, like I tell them, you know, it ain't nothing but about the blood. I start preaching real hard then, sort of say. Um, but it's just as the Holy Spirit leads me. Depending on what's, you know, the situation in the groups or the people out there. So do you have anything to tell the jimmystable.com audience of people? A lot of people listen in Charlotte. Yes. It's not a huge podcast, uh, I have, but I have people listening in Toronto, oh, you know, uh, so, uh, and Calgary, Canada and stuff. Uh, so, like, so it, do you have anything you'd like people to, to know that we haven't talked about already? What would be your message today? Um... Well, besides Jesus, I was gonna say, uh, (laughs) I was about to say, that's my best. Don't let me, don't don't let me steal your thunder. But, um, guys, um, what I would encourage for um, those that know Christ and know what God has called me to do, and hearing me in Charlotte, I just want to encourage you. Yours might not be loud like that crazy street preacher talking about myself, that is. Being loud on the corner telling people Jesus say Yours might be whispering or maybe playing a good tar Jesus says. But we need to let our light so shine. We need to brighten up the corner where we are. I'm out here on Trade and Trying on the corner of the hottest corner in Charlotte, North Carolina. And just letting the love of Christ, you know, be known from that corner. And like I said, uh, we got gift, different gifts, different talents. Yours might be playing guitar or preaching a soft message or playing some other instrument. But I would just encourage you guys for this season. This is the season now that we, excuse me, that we need to be out there um, making our voice known because the most sober reality, the most sober thought you can think about is that souls are dying and going to hell. And I'm just so grateful for an old 68-year-old white man 
that led a 26-year-old young black man to the Lord. He didn't look at me as uh, a black man. He didn't look at me as a thug like I wanted him to back in those days. I was a wannabe thug. He didn't see me like that. He saw me as a sinner in need of a savior. And when I came to him about a question about capital punishment, he was ready to give an account of his faith. So I just want to encourage you guys, brighten the corner where you're at. You know, I don't know, it might be on a corner outside or in an office building or at the marketplace or at a schoolyard. But uh, for you that know Christ, I just want to encourage you, um, just think about Jesus. Think about souls. Well, that's been today's episode, folks. I hope you have enjoyed this episode with Sam, Charlotte's most famous street preacher. Hope there's a lot of things that you're able to take away with that and that Sam was really able to speak something into your life. I know I definitely got something out of it, uh, especially his exhortation there to uh, you know brighten whatever street corner you're at in the dark times we're currently facing right now with the coronavirus and all that's happening in this country. I think that's more relevant than ever and more than I ever expected it to be uh, when I initially sat down and did this interview with Sam several weeks ago. Um, so again, hope you've enjoyed this. This has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com. Reach out to me, jimmy at jimmystable.com if you'd like to reach out. Or you can reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, be sure to share this episode with anybody else you th might think it uh, would be a blessing to, especially in these dark times that we're facing. Take care, everybody. God bless. Air smudge.